We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Alright, welcome to the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I will be joined, I guess, by Johnny Gomez. Uh, we recorded the majority of this podcast last week it's gonna be a good show for you guys we got roto baller staff writer uh host of the roto bros podcast mark wemkin coming on the show uh we give you everything you need to know about the rams and their fantasy values mainly of the five main guys you're gonna be drafting todd Gurley, Jared goff robert woods brandon cooks and cooper cup look we know we all love these guys. I love them. Uh, but we wanted to give you the load on, on, you know, should you take these guys, given where they're being picked? And in the case of the receivers, you know, which which one of these guys should you be drafting uh, is kind of you know, our, our main focus of concern here. But before we get into it, guys, uh, we have make sure you are subscribed to us wherever you're listening. Uh, make sure to download the podcast, a five-star review wherever you're listening. We are everywhere you get in your podcast. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, 
and you want to have a chance to win a $75 gift card to the NFLshop.com, all you got to do, give us a five-star review, take a screenshot, and send it to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Let us know who's entering so we know uh, who the entry is. And once we get to 200 five-star reviews, we will give give the gift card away to whoever the lucky winner is. So you don't want to miss out on that. It's it's basically free to enter. All you got to do is take a minute of your time, leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. Derek will read it on the air on Rams Talk Radio. If you want me to air, read it, just mention that you want butting heads to be the one to read the podcast, and I will. Uh, he said if it's positive, he'll read it. If it's negative, I'll read it. Quite frankly, I don't care. Uh, just <laughs> give us five stars and then say whatever you want, and I'll be good. Uh, and, of course, we have to mention that we are sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Guys, both Johnny and I have read this book from cover to cover. Uh, it may have taken me a little while, but once I read it, I wish I read it sooner. Uh, if you, you know, if you want to read something about the Los Angeles Rams, but the history of the team, and with a bit of a personal touch, this book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour's, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, uh, by Jim Hawk, it tells the story of the, the 1950s Rams through the lens of his father, John Hawk, who was an officer lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. You're not just going to learn about John Hawk in this book, guys. Uh, you know, the family story is the foundation of this, but there's a lot of great and interesting tidbits and just information, really, uh, and stories about future Hall of Famers and guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Bob Waterfield, Crazy Likes Hirsch, Les Richter, Tom Fears, uh, in this story that spans the 1950s sports landscape, really, with a heavy emphasis on the Rams, of course. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com. You can also find it on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can also find this book through various booksellers on the internet. Uh, the hardback is awesome. I love owning it. I'm I'm a sucker for hardback, but if you're a paperback guy or girl, that's coming in September, so keep your eye out for that. Um, we will have all the info when it's available, guys. Like I said, Johnny and I love this book. Derek loves this book. Everybody loves this book. Uh, if you haven't read it, give it a shot. It, it's really great information for any Rams fan, but if you just like a good family story, man, this, this is a great book, and uh, it's very heartfelt from Jim in dedication to his father, John. So again, check it out. Hollywood's team. Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. All right, well, without further ado, let's talk some fantasy. All right, we are here with Roto Baller writer, Roto Viz writer, host of the Fantasy Bro, or, sorry, Roto Bros podcast. I already messed it up. And a big member on the FSA Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis group on Facebook. Guys, if you're looking for fantasy football advice, talking to people like we have with the Rams Talk Room. Go ahead, hit that up. Mark Wemkum, how you doing, man? Did I get the name right? Yeah, no, you hit it perfectly on the head. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I feel like we've been trying to get this done for a while, but, uh, you know, I'm here. We're recording. Let's get to work. Hey, this is probably the most timely time to do it. Uh, yeah, we're right. we're recording this on August 5th, so hopefully none of these guys get injured by the time this goes up, but I don't think any of them will play in the Rams preseason game, so... I don't think it matters, but uh, Johnny, what do you think? We get right into this? Let's get it. All right, so we'll start with number one, Todd Gurley. Obviously the top overall player in fantasy pretty much for the past two years, uh, or at least close to it. Taking a little bit of a dive, though, due to the 
arthritis in his knee. It's been all basically all any of us fantasy and Rams community have been talking about for the past six months. And now his ADP, which is average draft position, is 14th overall in points per reception PPR leagues. Uh, if you're in a 12-team league, that's the second pick of the second round. Uh, it, I I don't think it's going to slip much lower than that. Depending on the league, he might fall farther. He might get taken higher. But, Mark, I'll just hand it to you for now. What What's your take? What's your read on Todd Gurley at the moment? You have to keep drafting Todd Gurley in the second round. Uh, we're talking about the guy who was the consensus 1.1 last year. He was the overall RB1 in 2017. We know what Todd Gurley is in Sean McVay's offense. We can get a little scared because of the knee issue, but you got to remember, let's say Todd Gurley's snap share does regress down to somewhere around 60, 60 to 70%. This was an 80-plus percent snap share guy each of the last two years, so... Let's say his snap share does regress. He's still a top 12 fantasy running back without question. Even with 55, 60% of the snaps, he's still going to catch a lot of passes. He's still getting that elite usage. You know, the Rams run more 11 personnel than anybody in the NFL. 90% of their plays were ran out of 11 last year. He's get, he's running against light fronts. He's getting set up for success. So you have to keep drafting him. You can't let this injury scare you. I, I'm fully on board with you here. Uh, I wrote a big article for Rotoballer, kind of going over the whole girly saga that we had this offseason. And I think ultimately my conclusion was, look, he the rumor is that he got injured in week one of last year. If that's true, then you're not super worried about it in the short term because he went off last year. If that's not true and he re-injured it kind of going into the playoffs, he still played in the playoffs and he he didn't re-injure it in the playoffs and he still ran for 100 yards in one of those games in the playoffs. The Rams have had months to make a plan for this. Todd Gurley's had months to plan for this. Nothing's changed uh, over the past couple of months. So they've been preparing for this. They're going to have a plan. And you mentioned the snap share. It was so high and so ridiculous. But even if it gets cut a little... He's still an elite running back, and like I, I did the research on this. If you cut his PPR uh, points per game in half, literally just in half, which isn't going to happen if he's out there, he's still the 20th overall running back. And I think numbers-wise, if he's playing every week and let's say he's at like a 60 to 70% snap share rather than 80, he's still a top 10 guy to me easily, and it could be even higher than that. I think... He's going at the top of the second right now. To me, I think this is steal. Uh, I I will be drafting him heavily in leagues now. For a lot of you guys, if you're going, if you have a top five pick and you want to take Todd Gurley, I do think it's a little too risky just because we don't know how intense the the snap share is going to be. I mean, we did see in the playoffs. C.J. Anderson kind of dipped into that number. I think that was more on C.J. and how well he was playing than it was on Todd being injured at all. But, uh, and Mark, we we talked about this, so I want to hear your thoughts. To me, the only running backs you're taking ahead of him are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and if the holdout ends before your draft, Ezekiel Elliott. To me, that's it. If we're talking overall, probably taking DeAndre Hopkins over him, probably taking... Devontae Adams and Julio Jones as well, but to me, if you're picking anywhere 
past like the seventh pick or later, whether it's a 10 or 12 team league, I'd go for it, man. I think the upside is just too ridiculously high. And I think as long as you believe he's going to be on the field, even with the or without the injury, he's he's still going to put up insane numbers, man. I If he's out there, he's going to get the ball and he's going to be a focal point. Yeah, and I'm a big advocate for letting drafts come to you. Uh, with his ADP being in the middle of the second round, I don't think there's a reason to reach for him in the first. Especially like if I'm drafting at 1.5, let, let's just let's just assume, let's play devil's advocate. Let's assume Ezekiel Elliott's contract situation gets resolved before the start of week one. I'm still taking David Johnson at, at the 1.5. David Johnson is still my RB5 on my rankings. Todd Gurley is my... RB six, but that's, that's accounting for Ezekiel Elliott. You know, if you drop Zeke out of my rankings and you drop Melvin Gordon out of my rankings, Todd Gurley's the RB five. So there's very, very few guys that I'm taking over Todd Gurley. And that's with the concept that he's probably only going to play about 65% of the snaps a game. That, that doesn't concern me. It, that this usage that he's receiving in Sean McVay's offense is so heavily weighted that I'm perfectly comfortable taking him in the second round with or without the knee issue. Right, and I still got Gurley ahead of David Johnson. Uh, Johnny knows this. I'm sure most of our listeners know this. I love David Johnson. I think he's a stud. But to me, the the risk with Johnson isn't – it's almost as risky as taking Gurley to me. We we don't know if that offense is going to work. We don't know what it's going to be. You got to think he's going to get a, a, a ton of work, which, I mean, he did last year. And while his numbers are better than you, people remember, like, still not worth where he's getting drafted and his ADP from last year to this year really hasn't slipped that much so he's a guy I'm fine taking with in the first round absolutely he's a stud Uh, I think even if the offense isn't great he's still gonna be getting a ton of touches but I just think Gurley's upside is so ridiculous even if his snaps get a cut a little bit if you cut his numbers in half from last year and add in another game based on uh, his averages, because he only played 14 games. So this is in 15 games. Still be a 1,000-yard rusher. Still have 12 touchdowns. I don't think the red zone touches are going anywhere if he's on the field, which uh, I think all three of us agree he he probably will be for the most part. Uh, The arthritis in his knee is obviously a concern, but it's more of a long-term concern to me than uh, a short-term concern. And the risk is already fat baked into his his stock in that you're probably not taking him over those top three or four backs, but after that, I, I you can't talk me into James Conner over him. You can't talk me into Joe Mixon over him. I I'm just set on it, man. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Now, with that in mind, I do want to put you on the spot here. Based on risk, who do you think is a scarier player to draft in the second round? Todd Gurley? Or Damian Williams? Damian Williams, for sure. Because, I, like, I don't think Todd Gurley is going to lose his job. Um, I mean, even if we're talking about based on ADP, uh, like, you can't talk me into Damian Williams ahead of him, but, like, if I'm talking about Gurley at the end, or the start of the second versus Williams at the end of the second, I just think we've seen half a season of good football from Damian Williams. They committed to him a little bit. They still bring in Carlos Hyde. Uh like, I, I can't – I just don't know if they're fully committed to him. And also, like, I don't know if he's that good. Teams might figure him out. I mean, Johnny, I'm sure you remember, Zach Stacy played it, some great football for half a season with the Rams. 
Trey That's Mason true. played some great football for half a season with the Rams. I know Damian Williams isn't those guys, and he's in a much better system. But at the same time, we're talking about a guy who couldn't uh, carve out a full-time job against the likes of Lamar Miller and Kenyon Drake. I The system's there. The opportunity's going to be there. But he still scares me a little bit, too, especially with how high you're taking him. I know in fantasy football you shouldn't value talent as much as you value opportunity. But talent still matters to me to a degree. And coming from a guy who once took Isaiah Crowell at the top of the fourth round, I get a little scared to draft guys that I don't think are that good that high. To to kind of add to that, though, I, I have to say with Todd Gurley, yeah, there there is a lot of uh, questions there. We don't know exactly how many touches he's going to get. Obviously, there's going to be some reduction there. But at the same time, what, what kind of really uh, makes me a little bit more high on Gurley as opposed to, you know, some of these other guys we've been mentioning is the fact that even if his production is reduced a little bit, this is a this is a guy that's uh, a threat in the red zone. This is a guy that's an all purpose back. He can get he's catching balls in the um, in the backfield. You know, this is this is a guy that's going to still get you over a thousand yards. So for me, that's exactly the type of guy you want in the second round. And while I will admit that uh, I think I would rather have Ezekiel Elliott, I think there's more of a risk drafting Ezekiel Elliott at this point, just because we don't know if he's going to even see the field. I mean, I would have told you last year that Le'Veon Bell was worth the risk. And, uh, well, let's see what happened. Right. So. For me, I I would be a little more comfortable drafting Todd Gurley than a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or, or even Melvin Gordon because these guys are talking about how they're not even close to coming a uh, contract situation that uh, you know there doesn't seem to be a solution in place. And while I don't know for certain if they they'll miss any games, I do think that because of what happened with Le'Veon Bell, it's even more of a scary thing when it's all said and done because there can go your first round pick. So yeah, for me, I, I would much rather draft Todd Gurley before uh, Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott at this point, if they have contracts then that's a different story, but that's where I'm at with Todd Gurley there. Yeah. Melvin frightens me. Uh, I'm not touching that in the first or second round until we get some resolution there. Zeke, I, I, I'd be shocked if he's not out there, even if a contract doesn't get done. But uh, the Melvin situation is is frightening. All right. Uh, with with Considering how we all feel about Todd Gurley, we're all pretty high on him. What does that mean for Daryl Henderson then? I mean, he's got an ADP somewhere in the eighth round. I've gotten him as late in the ninth. I actually got him in uh, Scott Fishbowl 9 in the ninth round. Are you guys drafting Daryl Henderson then? I think if I get Todd Gurley, the ninth would be the earliest I draft him. Uh, he does have some standalone value to me, I think, but I I can't imagine a world where it's like an Ingram-Camara com- combination where Henderson's getting that much touches. You draft Henderson, you're banking on something to happen to Todd Gurley or you're um, drafting him as a handcuff. If you have Gurley... I don't think drafting a handcuff in the seventh round is worth it or the eighth, which is, you know, uh, when I looked at an ADP calculator today, it was 707, which 
not that's not even a knock on Henderson. I just don't think that's worth drafting a handcuff. There's guys at that value that are going to be starting type players. I like Henderson a lot, and I think Johnny does as well. But to me, this year, he's going to be a better real-life player than fantasy player. And I do think people are underestimating the fact that Malcolm Brown is there. He's The team likes him a lot. He's the backup running back right now. I think it's more likely than not that he enters the season as the backup running back, and they kind of split the backup work between him and Henderson. And he's free right now. So if I'm looking at getting a handcuff for Gurley, and I have him, I'll take Malcolm Brown with my last pick or near the end of the draft over where Henderson's showing, just because unless something serious happens to Gurley, I can't imagine a world where Henderson lives up to his stock. Yeah, yeah. I... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, to kind of just touch on what Steve was saying, uh, I, I I do like Henderson as a, as a player, but if we're talking strictly fantasy here, he's not going to be somebody that's going to give you a lot of points on a regular basis. I, I see him being like really inconsistent, somebody that's going to be giving you a ton of points one week and like maybe even an absurd amount of points. And, you know, I could see him being almost a trap there where people are going to just pick him up because of how many points he gets in a week. Um, and then ultimately end up letting him go because he gives you zero points the next week. You know, this, this is exactly what I kind of see with Henderson as a fantasy prospect, because whether or not you believe in Todd Gurley, he's still going to be the guy for the Rams. And Steve also mentioned uh, Malcolm Brown. This is a talented running back too. You know, he's not going to go away just because, you know, Henderson has this potential. I will say this though. Sean McVay is not afraid to use the guy that has the hot hand. So if, you know, Henderson is, is going off, you can expect to see a more consistently, uh, um, more consistent handoffs to Henderson. So that that's something to consider also. But me personally, if I'm if I'm going into this draft, uh, would I be willing to draft Henderson? I have to say probably not. Just because I, I don't know if consistency is there unless I have an absolute throwaway pick and he's still there for some reason. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be. Yeah, he's going a little earlier than I would like. He fell to me in FSB nine. That's why I was comfortable taking him. My thing with Daryl Henderson is I do think he has an insanely high ceiling, especially in Sean McVay's offense. You look at his specs. He was dominant in college. He has 81st percentile speed. He's got very, very good strength. As far as comps go, he looks like Mark Ingram. He's built like Mark Ingram. He plays like Mark Ingram. So I honestly think he could have an insanely high ceiling in this offense, even if Gurley is healthy the whole year. I mean, like we said earlier, Gurley's snap share could reduce by as close as much as 20%. There's going to be a decent amount of opportunity in that backfield after Todd Gurley gets his cut. With that being the case, if Daryl Henderson does fall to, say, the ninth round for me in a 10 or a 12-team league, I think I'm comfortable taking him just on upside. Yeah, I think he's worth a swing. The ninth would be the earliest I consider him. Above that, yeah, I just yeah, I don't think it's worth taking a backup in general. But he's a, he was a home run hitter in college. I believe he holds the record for uh, yards per rush in college, NCAA Division One, which is insane. 
but another concern with him is even if he carves out a big role, if he wants to score touchdowns, I think he's going to have to break off big runs. I think they will bring in Gurley for the cleanup duty. Because uh, if you look at Gurley's numbers from last year, he scored 21 touchdowns. And I believe either like 20 or all 21 of them were in the red zone. So he's going to get the red zone work. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Henderson uh, carved into that much at all. But I I think he's, like you said, he's, he's a talent. He's a really good player. And they're going to find something to do with him. Well, let's move on to the receivers. I think we talked about enough about the running backs there. We're going to talk about all three of these guys together because they're all going basically in the fourth round. Uh, as at Today, when we're looking at the ADP and PPR leagues, Brandon Cooks is going 41. Robert Woods is going 42. Cooper Cup's a little down at 49, but that's still only seven slots between them. Last season, if you're talking about average points per game, Cooper Cup was 15th. Robert Woods was 16th. Brandon Cooks was 19th. These are all guys that are going to be good fantasy players. So what we'll try and break down for you guys is which one of these guys should you draft if you're going to take one of them at this price? Uh, I don't know if I'd reach into the third for any of them. Maybe in the late third, I'd take one of these guys. But fourth round, I think all three are money picks. But Mark, if you got to take one of them, uh, who are you going with and why? If you know me at all and – I've I've been all over FSA and Twitter with this. If I'm taking any one of these guys in the fourth round, it's Brandon Cooks every time. You look at his numbers when Cooper Cup was healthy before that offense kind of changed its chemical makeup after losing one of their three receivers. uh, I'm sorry, Brandon Cooks averaged 8.4 targets, 6.2 catches, and 102 receiving yards a game with Cooper Cup on the field. When you take Cooper Cup off the field, he regresses hard. He's only catching four and a half balls a game and only for 60, 60.6 yards per game. This is considerable. This is a considerable margin for me. So I'm taking Brandon Cooks every time. Those numbers are crazy. And we, most of us that watch the team every week, like you could tell things were a little different when Cup wasn't out there, especially in the Super Bowl. He was always Goff's kind of safety blanket. And that I'm that clearly made him more comfortable getting the ball to Cooks in open space uh, and letting him do his thing. So getting him back is going to be good for everybody, I, I think. Even if uh, some of their t- targets and yards will go down in some games, there's going to be a much better offense with him, and there's enough balls to go around between the three of them. Cooks, I think we'd all agree he's the most talented player in the offense as receiver-wise. Uh, he gets the most, he makes the most money, uh, but. I think my guy that I want to pick at this price is Robert Woods, actually. I know he he doesn't get the touchdowns that Cooper Cup was getting. Uh, He doesn't have the week-to-week ceiling that Brandon Cooks was getting. But you take Robert Woods in the fourth round, you're getting a guy. You basically know what you're getting. He's incredibly consistent. Between week after week one where he had not a great game against Oakland, between week two and week 16 – uh, before week 17 he never went below 60 yards and he never went below four receptions so every game he was having at least four receptions and 60 yards those are mind-blowing numbers uh he never had over 110 but he did hit 100 yards three times i uh, scored a couple touchdowns in that stretch six on the year they're not mind-blowing but they're consistent he was never a guy that was going to lose you a, a fantasy game and if he gets his he gets his receptions high, he gets his yards a little up, he's going to put up solid numbers. With Brandon Cooks, week to week, the variance 
wasn't perfect, but as you mentioned, uh, the numbers with Cup were much better than without him. I, j- I just like the security of Robert Woods to me, but, you know, like you said, Cooks is the best guy in the offense, and it, it is kind of tough to take the guy you know is, is worse uh, just because you like his consistency. Uh, and then just to touch on Cup, his numbers are pretty wild in the games he played. Obviously, points per game, he had the most out of the bunch uh, on the year, which is pretty crazy. Uh, he had the most touchdowns out of the three but I think you're a little concerned with the injury there and his ability to stay on the field. It's not a huge concern, but compared to the other two guys, that kind of sets it off. Johnny, I'm curious who your guy out of the three would be here. It's it's a tough call, really, because you know these are all three guys that are very close to each other, and even the rankings suggest so as well. It's actually kind of funny because I almost want to say Cooper Cup just because I feel like when he's on the field, this is the guy that Goff looks to. And it isn't just, you know, to bail him out. This is a guy he looks for actively uh, in the red zone. And, you know, he gets those touchdowns again when he's healthy. So for me, if he stays healthy throughout the year, those the if we're going to look at it from a fantasy perspective, those touchdowns are going to add up because even even uh, when he got injured, he had some amazing numbers. And I'm pretty sure he could have broke the thousand yard barrier if he would have stood healthy. So for I, I'm thinking Cup might be the better option. But I have to say the injuries do kind of scare me a little bit because, well, it's still early to tell if he's injury prone. I still think that he has so much to give here. And, you know, you have to consider also that when both Cooks and uh, and Woods is on the field, this is a guy that is basically what's left over, and he's just as big a threat as these other guys. So for me... I kind of want to say Cup, but I think I will ultimately say Woods just because of what how Steve was saying also is I, I really like the consistency play there. I think Cooks is is a solid guy, and he's going to definitely put up some big numbers there. But from a consistency standpoint and the safest pick out of all three, I would probably say I would go with Robert Woods. Yeah, I'm completely fine with that. I think two of the most underrated receivers in the NFL are on the Rams with Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. They're both phenomenal athletes. They're great, productive wide receivers. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of consistency out of both Cooks and Robert Woods. I think there's going to be more variance with Cooper Cup. You look at what all three of these guys did when they were all healthy. They were all healthy in only seven games, but in those seven games, Brandon Cooks led the lead, uh, led the team in target share, receiving yards, receptions, air yards, which correlate to fantasy production in a big way, and total PPR points. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm shooting for the ceiling every time between these three guys, and that that's the reason I'm going to fall on Brandon Cooks all the time. You might you might honestly be persuading here. My question for you. <laughs> If you had, let's say you have the swing pick, uh, end of the third round, beginning of the fourth, what do you think about taking two of these guys? Uh, is that a dumb strategy to draft two guys on the same team? Or 
Uh, I mean, to me, like, it's a weird decision to do it because, you know, your your week-to-week ceiling is going to be a little lower. But at the same time, there was a game last year where all three of these guys had 100 yards. And both Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks finished the season with 1,200. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on that. So this could go in a, a number of ways for me. At the 3-4 turn, no. I could, I could get behind taking one of them in the fourth round, but, I mean, you touched on that earlier. I don't want either of these guys in the third round. I still think there's too much upside on the board with Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. But now let's say the the 4-5 turn. Let's right. say they both kind of slip a little and they're there at the 4-5 turn. Now we're on to something. I think I could get behind that, taking both of them back-to-back at the 4-5 turn. I'm a lot more likely to do it in a best ball than I am a, a redraft league. Uh, I think it, I think that's a better idea in a best ball. And then you can just run it back in the 11th round with Jared Goff. And I think you're in pretty good shape if you do that. Right. And for all our listeners, guys, if you draft Todd Gurley, definitely don't do that. Don't have three Rams with your first five picks. Uh, as much as we love all these guys, that's just really bad fantasy strategy because uh, – you're putting all your eggs into one basket and let's say they play the bears like they did last year and do nothing. Uh, your team is screwed because that's three of your players. Uh, two of them, I think is fine. Um, no, like you mentioned three, three, four might be a risk because um, unless we go chalk up to that point, uh, there's probably going to be some guys that slip that you're going to really like at that pick. But I, I think, you know, I think this is a good conversation because I think we can all agree uh, if I get any of these three guys on my team in the fourth round, I- I'm I'm pretty pleased about it. Uh, and all all three guys have different value. And I think um, Sean McVay, even before he got here, has proven that three wide receivers can be useful fantasy players. Even when he was in Washington, uh, in his last year as the offensive coordinator, both Pierre Garcon and Sean Jackson at 1,000 yards. Jameson Crowder was right there with 847 and that's factoring in the fact that uh, both the tight ends, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, had uh, close to 600 yards. So all three of these guys can very feasibly go over 100 yards. It's not impossible, especially in this high-powered offense. And I wouldn't hesitate to draft any of them, unless you already have two of them. Make sure you draft uh, Henderson if you get all four guys. <laughs> Hey, hammer it home and get the stack. I'm done with that. <laughs> Just go for the trifecta here. Uh, all right. Last guy we want to talk about, Jared Goff. This He finished 10th among QBs in points per game last year. He was 9th, if you don't count Ryan Fitzpatrick, who only started a few games. He's going – he's a QB 12 off the board right now. Uh, right now his ADP is 105, which in a 12-team league would be the middle of the ninth round. Mark, what's what's your take on and waiting for a quarterback? And if you're gonna wait for a quarterback, is Goff a guy you want to target around the eighth or the ninth round? So to answer both of your questions, yeah, I'm closer to late round quarterback than I am drafting Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers. The earliest, or look, I should say the quarterback, but the highest ADP that I have a lot of exposure to this year is going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, I like where he's going in like the eighth or ninth round, but uh, back to Jared Goff. 
as assuming all three of these guys are healthy to start the season, all three of them, meaning Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, I am more than comfortable taking Jared Goff at his ADP. I would be comfortable reaching around because he he was so productive when he had all three of his wide receivers. You look at what he did with all three of them. You've got 34 attempts per game, 2.12 touchdowns, 9.65 yards per attempt. The efficiency plummets with Cooper Cup off the field, 7.32 yards per attempt. And what's crazy is the passing volume actually increases. So, yeah, assuming all three are healthy, I will take all the Jared Goff. I'm totally with you, man. Uh, Like, I can't really see him doing much worse if at all, than he did last year. Uh, and he finished the QB 10, threw for 32 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions, uh, career high in yardage, uh, close to 4,700. The, the guy puts up numbers. He's going to continue to put up numbers. This is a, not a team that's going to stop throwing the ball. And I, I'm with you. Uh, I know a lot of people like taking quarterbacks high, but it, it does in today's fantasy, it doesn't make sense because there's so many quarterbacks that are going to get you points. I mean, Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, and even like Tom Brady, are the 14th, 15th, and 16th quarterbacks off the board right now. So to me, like, yeah, you can get Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round. And I'm guessing uh, for a lot of leagues, once like the, the more casual leagues start drafting, I'm guessing all these quarterbacks will go up in ADP a little bit. So to me, your eighth round, if you want to grab Jared Goff, totally a, a great pick to me uh, he's a guy I don't think you need to play the matchups with him you plug him in you start him uh, you know you might I might get a little scared off when they're going up like against the Bears but it's also not in Chicago next year not in the cold and I, I, I'm totally I'd be thrilled to end up with him as my fantasy quarterback yeah I, I do have one more thing to say about Jared Goff and essentially I'm just agreeing with you he doesn't have any glaring home road splits. This offense has traveled pretty well since Sean McVay took over. But man, he was throwing for 329 passing yards a game before Cooper Cup got hurt. That extrapolates out to 5,274 yards for a season. And you think about that, and it's like, that's that's insanely high. He can't he can't do that again. I, I think he could. He only it was only his second year in the system. He's still young. He could absolutely continue to get better. And his ceiling is just so high when this entire team is healthy that if you told me he finished the season as the overall QB one, I wouldn't be surprised. That's high praise. And honestly, like it's, it's tough to disagree with you because like, I'm none of us are saying he's going to, Uh, I think Mahomes is title to lose, but at the same time, it definitely would not be shocking if he ended up having a barn burner year finishes QB one, maybe and competed for an MVP. You, you look at his worst games of the year, uh, Denver, Detroit, uh, Chicago. And then, uh, I, I throw the super bowl in there. Cup didn't play in any of those games, Denver, which I think, and Johnny, I don't know if you agree with this. I think Denver was the worst game he played all year. And that was the game cup got knocked out. So that was the game that he didn't go in preparing for cup, not to play. Uh, he was just, a wrench was thrown into him, and he played pretty bad. Uh, he played a little worse against the Bears, but I think that's a more understandable worse. Um, Mark, I'm curious as an outsider. Do you think Jared Goff has a problem playing in the cold? 
Uh, I think a lot of players in the NFL do have a problem playing in the cold. Uh, you know, he's he's from a Los Angeles team. He's he's going to be at a disadvantage if he's playing in Chicago or in Green Bay in December. Uh, he he's got the same disadvantage Matt Ryan and Drew Brees have. That we you know those those are two quarterbacks that don't necessarily travel well, at least to colder weather fields. So. I think I'm comfortable saying Jared Goff is not that great of a passer in the cold, or at least he's not as good as when he's at home or in a dome. But I think you can say that about pretty much any quarterback at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just ahead, to Jimmy. touch a little bit on that. I, I just think uh, when, when you mention all the weapons that we have been already uh, as fantasy options to Jared Goff, there there's an obvious, sign that this guy has not only the talent as a quarterback but he has all the talent around him to make him a legitimate threat and make him somebody that's worth drafting uh you know i i don't know if i would you know draft him too too high but you know i I think if you can get him you know like you were saying in the eighth or ninth round i think that'd be a steal honestly so Overall, I think this is a guy you should be targeting, you know, if you don't get the Patrick Mahomes, if you don't get the Aaron Rodgers, so on and so forth. So um, I don't want to add too, too much to that just because I feel like you guys kind of said that said it all there. But I I, I do have a lot of uh, uh, hope for Jared Goff this year. And especially if uh, you have Cooper Cup, uh, you know, 100 percent healthy this year. Expect uh, Jared Goff's numbers to continue to rise. Yep, uh, Cup's going to make a huge difference. We we saw it. Uh, I'm sure all of us listening saw the difference with him without him. And I, I to me, I think it's it's clear you wait for a quarterback. Goff's a guy you want to target around the eighth round. If somebody jumps you for him, go ahead and grab a guy like Cam Newton, or even wait a couple more picks and go get a guy like Dak Prescott or Philip Rivers, who uh, just going to be kind of. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, but I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, Mark, anything you got to plug here? Yeah, uh, you can find me all over the place. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Mark Wemkin, just first name, last name. Uh, you can also find me in FSA, Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis. Uh, we're over 12,000 members strong. We have a lot of fun in this group. All we talk about is fantasy sports, primarily fantasy football. But, hey, if you're a fantasy baseball or fantasy basketball guy, we got content in there for you as well. A lot of good people. Just join the group. If you want, DM me on Twitter. Ask me for a link. I'll get you in. Where can the people follow you? <laughs> people can follow me at Mark Wemkin uh, on Twitter. Just M-A-R-K-W-E-M-K-E-N. And if you guys got more fantasy questions, feel free to uh, hit up Mark. Hit up me, at Steve Hit up Johnny if you want, at Johnny596. All right. Thanks for coming on, Mark. Yeah, anytime. It was great being here. All right, once again, we want to thank Mark for coming on the show. You know where to follow him. Uh, we'll be back next week. Preseason. I know I know what you're thinking. Preseason just happened. Uh, we'll, we'll be back to talk about that more next week. Johnny will be on vacation, so not sure who the coast is going to be. Give you guys a little surprise. Uh, but, yeah, initially, first game, I don't have a ton of thoughts here. It was a shit show, clearly. Uh, I don't think anyone will debate that. But uh, my big takeaway here, and going into next week, what I want to see, I'm going to need a little more out of Micah Kaiser, man. That 
that week one performance was not good. And I know nobody really played good in this game. There were some stands out on the margins, but like Kaiser is a guy that we expect to be a starter and he's out there, you know, to get some reps because he's, we, we need him to get some reps in. Man, he did not look good. Uh, so I, I need to see more of him next week. I, I, I've never been sold on this guy, but the team is sold on him, it seems. Or maybe they just don't care about the position. Maybe they're going to slide Taylor Rapp kind of really into a full-time inside linebacker hybrid role, which he's probably our most impressive player out there. So we'll see what happens. But that's I'm, I'll be looking for Micah Kaiser to step it up against Dallas Saturday night. And we will be back to talk about it more. Uh, this, this may probably be the last fantasy podcast of the summer for us. Maybe we'll get a little bit more general stuff. But... Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, but don't forget, wherever you're listening to us, please subscribe, rate, download this podcast, and hit me up on Twitter, at Barrow if you got any questions, comments, concerns about the pod, about fantasy, about whatever. And Budding Heads, we'll be back next week. Talk to you guys soon. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.